0: You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to the Grow Law Firm Podcast. I have a attorney extraordinaire, Sam Blake. Sam is not just an attorney. He is also a legal disruptor and a founder of the Legal Funnel. If you use YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, any other social media, there is about a zero percent probability that you have not <laughs> seen Sam before. I've seen Sam's face probably a million times, so it is absolutely amazing to have you here on the show. And I'm going to start off with a question: What the hell is a virtual law firm? <laughs>
1: It's a law firm that you can run at any time, anywhere in the world. That doesn't mean that you have to work from home or you have to work in a certain place. It just means it gives you complete control to be able to do run it however you like and wherever you want wherever you want you would like.
0: But so it's kind of like the exact opposite of being a lawyer.
1: You could still obviously be a lawyer, but ultimately what it leads you to do is to run the law firm how you want it. And also pick and choose the role that you want to be in the law firm. So some people like working with clients. If that's the case, okay, fine, you could do that. Some people like, you know, doing the legal work. Then you could do that. Some people like the business development side and the client generation side. But it's kind of seeing it as the kind of like a more of a macro kind of point of view, and then kind of setting it up so that you could focus on the stuff that you're good at and enjoy doing.
0: Mm -hmm. I should I should have clarified. It's not exact opposite of being a lawyer. It's exact opposite of being a normal lawyer. exactly. The normal lawyers complain about one out of three or all three problems. I'm overworked, I'm overstressed, and I do not make enough money for all the experience and all the hours and all the stress that they put into my work.
1: And it kind of kills me that people think like it has to be that way or this no, this is, this is what it is. It's like, kind of like, this is what I have to do. I'm like, nothing has to be anyway. Something that's come up in our program is you, you can create your own rules of your own life. Let's just say some people don't like meetings or don't want to answer emails. Who says you have to have meetings? Who says you have to answer emails? You, you kind of question how things are. And then from that, we'll, we'll try to like work towards where we want to be.
0: Mm-hmm. You have so many students and you have had them over the years. What do you think is the main like root cause of the problem for most lawyers?
1: It's lack of control and lack of accountability. Ultimately, it just comes down to the person themselves and, and their mentality. I know it's very, obviously, cliche, but it really comes down to the person themselves. Something that I found is that when people are doing, have their own trajectory and their own plans and their own business, and there's no one else outside of them that could, that could advise them, give them guidance, mentor them, it's kind of like you get lost in the road of life and there's no and this and you just see the world as it is what it is when someone else comes outside comes and gives you a new light fresh ideas tells and comes and says no it doesn't have to be this way you could also be this way oh you don't like this It could also want to let's try this someone outside of you kind of give you that guidance that really opens up your vision of uh, what's possible and then eventually you know get you to where you want to be
0: you find that most lawyers are resistant to the idea of having somebody else advise them, although that's what they practically do all day long?
1: Yeah, totally. And it's, I guess, because we're so analytical and we're also perfectionists. So we kind of see the world as this is what it is. Uh, As you shared, nobody likes being told what to do. Um, I actually found myself in this kind of a little uh, scenario, actually, a couple of days ago at my uh, my Um, father-in-law. It's actually my first time sharing about this, but I think it's an important lesson. I on Friday nights we read a lot of different blessings and one of the blessings I was raised to kind of read it fast and because I read it fast like my mind kind of works faster than I could speak so I basically when I, as I'm reading it I'm, I make mistakes so as a good father-in-law yeah, after dinner he's like hey you know you could slow it down and maybe take it one by word one by, you know word by word my first reaction as soon as I heard it I'm like who are you to tell me this no you don't know my childhood you probably don't know that I could I speak, uh, I could think faster than I could speak. You can't tell me this, and I my first instinct was to kind of like walk away, but I knew at the time ta- at, at, at the same time that he's, you know, more mature than me. He's more experienced. He's probably sharing this for my own good, and I sat there and I took it took it. it didn't feel good. It probably took him like 15, 20 minutes to kind of let it settle in, but when I walked away later and thought about it next day, I'm like, no, I know he said this because he cares about me. He probably knows that you know made a mistake or something i could i could do better so even though initially it doesn't feel good but someone is uh, who can let go of their ego put their ego aside and be willing to learn and listen to people no matter what st- what level they're at how old they are what they look like how they speak how the sound you could always learn something from everybody as long as you first listen without questioning what they're saying first listen then question their ideas the funny thing is, you know, I had this kind of epiphany since a couple of days ago it happened. And today, in uh, I, I studied Gemara, which is a you know a holy book that's that was written two thousand years ago. This exact idea came about. That basically the idea was: listen first, listen, then discuss. Don't discuss, then listen. Listen, then discuss. So, yeah, totally. And it's you know it, it requires that taking away your ego and putting that ego aside to be able to kind of grow.
0: Interesting. So as the saying goes, God gave us two years of one month and we should be using them in that proportion. But I think that most people who are experts by training have a really hard time with that concept. Right. And most lawyers are they're just that. They're specialists in law and thus they're experts. And thus experts should be dispensing information rather than taking it in. And that is why it is hard to listen. Listen, when I was a really young guy, I started my first business, I was 22 years old. I'm more than double the age now. And I remember at the ripe age of 23, I thought that as the president of my company with fewer than five people, I'm supposed to know everything about running the business. So when my employees came to me, I was like, I was supposed to have the answers. I had almost none, but the feeling was like, if I am the president, I should know everything. So I assumed that for most attorneys, and I probably speak to my, my guest mate, 120 to 150 attorneys like one-on-one conversations every year like there is some of that like like there's humility but there's also like i should know these things but i don't i've been operating my own law firm 8 10 12 15 20 sometimes 30 years sometimes i hear devastating stories like i wish we met 30 years ago but now it's too late for me now i'm in my late 60s early 70s it's too late to do all the things that they should have been doing for all these decades. So if you are listening to this or watching this and you do not have a business advisor, a coach, a trainer, you are poorer for it. You're actually costing yourself a lot of money every year, let alone if you think about time spent like a decade, you could be shortchanging yourselves by millions Once I learned that I've always had at least one advisor, at least every other week as a rule. Otherwise I knew that I was just costing myself too much.
1: Totally. And it's not just leaving money on the table, but also there's like feeling that you have, one is kind of lonely to be able to walk the road by yourself. But when you have, when you're able to brainstorm, talk, talk it out, it's like you have somewhere, you have a vision that's more clear. And, and that kind of gives you a a goal and a motivation to go get it because, you know, you're able to create that vision with that person versus if you have it by yourself, you're not really clear with that vision, what that is. And when you don't have a vision, then you're not essentially, you're not going anywhere. I actually heard this quote from Oprah Winfrey today. Somebody asked her, like, what is What's the common denominator between successful people and non-successful people? And out of all the different things that she said that she could say, she said, it's people that are successful, have a clear vision of where they want to go. People that don't have a clear vision of where, where where I want to go are stuck exactly where they are. and It's a perfectly well said kind of uh, idea.
0: That makes sense. But it's interesting, even when we do have clear visions, and I've had four businesses by now, and this, this marketing company is the only one I did not start. I actually realized that I do not know enough I need to buy into an existing business that was doing things proficiently. And every time you're looking at... High performance teams, excellent CEOs, they always have an advisory board. Right? Without an advisory board, no matter how clear your vision is, the probability, and this is what you said earlier, right? There's that lack of accountability. If you're not accountable to anyone, CEO of JP Morgan Chase, like one of the largest banks, is accountable to the board. But a lot of solos and small law firm owners. Not really accountable to anyone. And that's are stock. Sometimes, like, I get to talk to a managing partner from a law firm with, like, 28 lawyers. You know, like, what are your average billions per lawyer? And they would be like, pause, 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 pause. $230,000. And I'm like, how are you doing? Not too well. Who is your advisory board? Blank stare. Like if you had an advisory board, they would help you fix that in a big hurry. If you had an advisor, they would help you fix that in a big hurry because one of the people I interviewed on my podcast already twice is a fractional CFO, Ryan Kimler. He's a fractional CFO for law firms. He's like, you do not hire an associate until you're ready to build them out at four times what you're gonna pay them, or trouble. So having an advisor is just such a key piece of the puzzle. How did you learn what you learned?
1: There's a little bit of genetics in there. I feel like I just realized this, and I was talking it out with someone. I do have some uh, business genes in me. That's one. But over time, it, honestly, it was just books and YouTube. As weird as funny as that sounds, uh, books. I never. I was never a reader in in school. Even during law school, I remember just trying to do whatever I can to just understand what the case is about, but actually reading the cases. But when I finished law school, I basically found a new passion, a new love for reading. And what's cool about books is you're able to go deep into a topic, you know. And it's something that also that not that people do. So if that's the case, then it's kind of like an advantage. if something that people are not doing, and you're doing it, so you're able to stand out. So I kind of find, you know, my leverage is books. And the second thing is, I'm sure for both of us, especially if you are on it, we're also consumers of YouTube. There's It's crazy how much good information is out there. But I think a lot of people fall into the trap of just trying to learn and watch anything general knowledge, as I call it, which, you know, you could, but eventually it's not sustainable. You just, you know, you realize it's not leading to anything. So what I do is I'm very particular with who I watch these days. And I always try to apply it to something that's actually that I'm dealing with at that moment in my life. So I don't try to learn anything general at all. It's like, oh, I need to set up Zapier animation. So let me learn about this exactly right now, just ongoing. And it's just, and this is going on an ongoing basis. So I'd probably l- learn at least four to five hours every single day, the past, you know, I don't how many years, the last, at least last decade. So I guess it compounds over time.
0: Leo, how do you approach this learning? Other than just like being on YouTube, is it, is there a structure to it? How do you decide who you're going to consume? Because there is a lot of bullshit information out there and you know what's yeah. done. Uh,
1: Totally. I filter. I filter through a lot. So I'm very particular. I unsubscribe and I unfollow multiple people every single day. So I'm very particular about who I consume from. And then also what I do is I'm always thinking about how is it applied. So if I learn something right away, I am I text it out to my team whoever's in charge. If it's some marketing, let's go. We need to implement this. It sells. How, how can we implement this this week? So I, I, I you know, I sent it out. I delegated it out as quickly as possible. And the other thing that I do is I use Todoist to keep track of all of my ideas. So nothing that comes to me is just comes and goes. It it comes and then I write it down, goes in my Todoist. And when I get to my computer, I'm thinking about, is it something that's very important I need to do now? If so, can I delegate it out? That's the first filter. If not, when can I schedule to get this done? So, you know, I'm very kind of strategic with implementing the things that I learned.
0: That's brilliant. I want you to expand on this piece of the puzzle a little more and here's why. I think it's a well-known fact that most of the people who go to conferences and so many attorneys do we go to conferences right we scribble things down and then it goes on the shelf yeah (laughs) maybe maybe one or two ideas get implemented but here's case in point and it's a little different yeah this will be mine my ex-wife is a brilliant economic consultant she went to both school of business here in chicago one of the top business schools in the country. Almost everyone in that school was in some sort of consulting role, and most of them had like Fortune 1000 clients. We went to an event at the school while she was there, and I talked with a lot of guys and gals who were actually practicing consultants, and they were just at the school to up their skill level and up their billable hours. The rate, billable rate. And I asked them this one question. From all the consulting gigs that you have done, what is the implementation rate of what you tell your clients? Their clients are Fortune one thousand companies. The answer was the same across the board. Two percent. Two percent like click you spend these are high end consultants. Six figures on a consultant and then you implement two percent of what they tell you, whether they're one hundred percent wrong right. 80% right, 50% right, you implement 2%. Most people who go to conferences, I run into the same people year after year after year. I'm like, how much did your firm grow year over year? I added two, two people. Got it.
1: I'm going to give some things, as we were sharing, I think I came up with three actionable. So if you want to implement things, either from conferences or things that you're consuming, one is you have to have a super, super high sense of urgency what I do at the conference, I'm on my laptop, I'm slacking things, I'm not taking notes. This, you, (laughs) this, how's how's the, you know, you go go do this. Second thing is I'm not taking notes. I'm writing how it's applicable for the specific law firm or the specific company that I'm applying it to. So that means, let's just say, if I'm obviously shared something about something, I'm writing it for that specific law firm, exactly how it's applied. And the third thing is, I'm not necessarily the one implementing everything. I'm delegating it out. Essentially, just Slack, They're sending it to, to Slack. Now our team is kind of a nose. If they get something from me, they have to put it into Monday, put a date on it, and then update me later. And that way we can kind of hold accountable. So kind of have that super high sense of urgency. Don't take notes, write actionable notes, and then also look to opportunities to delegate it out quickly.
0: Let, let me recap this. And clarify a couple of things. So if you do not know, Slack is a communication system. It's a wonderful system. I don't think most lawyers know what it is, but it's just a great like inter-team communication system where you could get your clients into the system if you want to communicate with them. It's like an equivalent of an instant messenger. And Monday.com is a project management system, One steroids. It's a great system. I don't use it, but I know of it and I've used it a couple of times. So. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your system is this. You go to the conferences with the intention of not learning something, but actually creating an actionable tasks. Right for, then and then. <laughs> right there and then while you're listening to somebody speak, right? Actionable items for A, yourself and or B, other team members who can execute on those tasks. Are you good at executing on the tests that you create for yourself or do you mostly outsource not outsource them but but delegate
1: yeah i'm actually a huge implementer everything that got me up to here was implementing everything
0: and then and i think the reason is i don't
1: overthink things too much i just i'm able to just <laughs> you know go do it without overthinking it yeah totally and anything that i delegate it out i know how to do myself so i know what it takes how long it takes what's expected whether the person is even capable so yeah totally i, I don't believe in You know, I mean, obviously delegation is good, but it also pays to know what's going on. Let's just say one example is with marketing, a lot of things that I teach inside of our program, I don't expect our lawyers to necessarily do it themselves. I say, hey, here's, uh, let's just say, Sasha, who knows how to do this? Go hire him for, uh, for this. But have these things in mind. You need to be able to track your stuff. This is how you track it. Make sure that, you know, the person you're working with can do this for you. Second is know your cost per lead, know your cost per acquisition. And third, once you know those things, then is there, could be basically play math and kind of scale it up. But that requires for you to understand what's going on with the marketing, not just hand it off. Nobody cares as much as the law firm owner. So you need to know what's going on and really be very clear with what your goal is, where your tracking is, and you know kind of be on top of that in order for it to actually work out.
0: Mm-hmm. So take action and make sure that you have the right people in the right places. Who can execute on the test that you give them so when you think about a virtual law firm in my understanding of a law firm, a virtual law firm correct me if i'm wrong it gives you freedom but you're also probably going to be a solo with support staff around you that stuff can be in house or outsourced did i get that right it doesn't have to be solo
1: for sure and most lawyers i hope aren't won't be solo because it's kind of you know boring but but yeah, and then but the second part, I, yeah, it, and I, I don't see it as a fully virtual law firm. I, I, don't, I don't think that's the most efficient way to run a law firm. It's the hybrid model is the way to go, which encompasses a headquarters that's in-house with your key staff, like your intake manager, your attorney if need be, your case manager, whoever is kind of like the director or managers uh, of the day to day. but your day to day is virtual. That includes your intakers who are signing up clients, your document collectors, people that are start filing for you, their case managers, anything that has to be done on a day-to-day basis, all of those could be virtual or much cheaper with uh, more uh, with uh, people that are just better, better, talented and uh, for a lot of good reasons. So kind of like a hybrid model is the way to go.
0: Got it. When you think about the high-performance team for a virtual law firm, mm-hmm. like who, aside from the people that you've listed, who else do you need to make things happen? And I know that you operate a seven figure business law firm, right? In addition to the legal funnel, right?
1: Yeah, so- I have six other law firms besides the uh, legal funnel. I, ultimately, where you, where you want to be is an organization. In an organization, there's sales, there's operations, there's marketing. And then I also see like another one is business development, which is outside of marketing. So ultimately, what you want to do is is to have directors for each of those departments, and then under that, that's where you have your day to day virtual people that are running those specific departments.
0: Who's in charge of your HR with all of these people?
1: These days, you don't need uh, much HR. You just basically what I use. I use Gusto for payroll, for timesheets, things like that, and then we use QuickBooks online for uh, for financial. that's pretty much it and we just basically have a virtual bookkeeper who's able to reconcile your expenses provide you monthly pnls and run payroll that's pretty much like that's all you need to do the other thing too is maybe you may need somebody in-house accountant the bookkeeper, to just basically collect be all the finance and sellments and collecting all those things pretty much but that's it you don't need anything
0: else Those are more rudimentary tasks. What about attracting candidates? Interviewing, hiring, training if training is needed, performance reviews. Who does all of that? Because that's a lot of work. Full-time recruiter,
1: VA, who just has an SOP. We just have a Google Doc that's very cleared out. Here's how you put up a job post on uh, ZipRecruiter and and, and Indeed. Here's exactly how to filter through the resumes. Here are the questions you you should ask to pre-qualify them. If they qualify, then go ahead and book a call with either me or one of our managers. So that's for recruiting. Performance managers is, is a must also. Every role needs to have somebody who is kind of like a manager, holds people accountable. So what I do is for every role, I, I distill it down to their number one objective of their role. And for every role, there should be a numerical based goal per month that they need to achieve. It's if sending up clients, well, I need you to sign up 10 clients per month. If it's document collection, that's obvious. For pretty much every role, just a numerical number. And then we have a performance manager who checks in and it's kind of like a support staff to make sure that they have everything that they need to be able to achieve the number one goal. That's the entire role. And then one other role that we always try to have is a director. It's a director of operations essentially that oversees the entire law firm. That is we you know, we've been trying to find people in-house, but we actually had better success uh, recently having virtual people. We have one virtual who's uh, one virtual assistant who's you know managing 40, 50 people for one of our law firms and has been able to grow it beyond what we expected. We're at our most successful law firm, almost 500 clients per month led by a business manager who's a virtual assistant. So you could just imagine. The potential. Yeah.
0: Well, a lot of people world? like,
1: oh. yeah. a lot of people like when they hear about virtual assistants for the first time or they hear it, they think like they can only do, you know, very menial uh, right. tasks, but the more I've been using, uh, you know, I've been having virtual assistants for three, six or seven years and, I get, I mean, at this point, I'm already, you know, I accept how capable that virtual assistants could be. So yeah, they're capable. If not, if anything, they're probably more capable than people that you can find in-house in here or at your
0: office, basically. I have to know what's their background to be able to manage that many people? This is a very skillful person.
1: Usually people in their 30s and 40s are pretty good range. Ideally, nobody fresh, couple of years. Of either sales experience business experience some kind of experience definitely helps but no you'd be surprised you'd be surprised there's gems out there that could run you know way beyond what you can imagine
0: interesting for somebody that higher up although they're virtual do you hire only in us or will you go outside of the us oh role?
1: yeah these are people outside the us for sure yeah these so, virtual when i mean by virtual I, when i think about virtual they're usually overseas
0: well so there is usually a huge disparity in payroll costs between somebody here in chicago or there in la i think you're in la right versus someone in the philippines or wherever they may be totally yeah
1: and the reason is the talent pool when you're hiring overseas your talent pool is a thousand x bigger than the talent pool that you have within a 50 mile radius of your law firm you know your law firm You know around your law firm small radius just probably might be maybe a thousand people that are looking for a job and out of that maybe there's like a one percent there percent they're going to be superstars versus if you get a two percent conversion rate of the entire world you know you're going to find a lot more gems out there so just because of that reason the talent pool you're going to you're a lot li- more likely to find those a players uh, looking overseas than somewhere around your office
0: Super interesting. So, folks, as you listen, watch this. Please understand, Sam has given away a big chunk of a blueprint. So, I hope that you pick up on all the points of brilliance. Like, like I've had a lot of people on this podcast. You're talking about things that most lawyers and non-lawyers do not talk about. Like, it would never actually come to my mind to get a business manager who is in Philippines. It's just like, you connected those dots for me. But for me, it's like, you think about like receptionist service somebody who is doing data entry or something menial, like you said, right? But not somebody who is managing dozens of people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Totally. Again, it's one of those things that people always question it. But uh, when you're part of a group, when you hear the stories and you see people, you know, winning and growing with these types of teams, it really opens you up. You try it out, you get some good results. I've been literally get in the last couple of days, I'm getting our members saying, Hey, my intakers, the thing that you expose me to dedicated intakers to sign up clients for us is, is working. I'm like, yeah, I know it works. <laughs> I'm glad you kind of had the same epiphany and it blows everybody's mind. So, yeah, totally. They could run your law firm for you, as weird as it sounds. Again, people are probably going to hear that and be like, "What are you talking about?" And and, or maybe they question it, like maybe for you or maybe for this specific practice type. It's always those, you know, if kind of statements. But no, it doesn't have to be.
0: One of the worst sins that we can commit as business owners, business managers, is to think that somehow our business is different. They're all the same. (laughs) They're all the same.
1: Yeah, they're really the same thing.
0: I got sales. You got operations, I got operations. You got HR, I got HR. You got leadership, I got. It's the same. And you're in the service business, and Sam was in the service business, and I'm in the service business. They're the same. If Sam can do it, you can do it too. Now, let me, uh, let me do a plug for your business. You cannot teach the whole blueprint in the span of a 30 or 40 minute podcast. I know that my legal funnel has three different offers. Can you talk about them? And like, if somebody decides to sign up, what should they be looking at? Like the outcome and just year one. And I watch plenty of the testimonials on your YouTube channel and on your on your social. So I kind of know, but in case somebody who's been living under a rug for the last five, six years and never heard any of those, just, just talk.
1: Sure. So about six years ago, I kind of had an epiphany about funnels using ClickFunnels to be, be, uh, basically be able to generate clients for my law firm. So I kind of like three, four years, I was kind of in- into the funnel mindset. How can I apply funnels to my law firm? So that's when I started Legal Funnel to teach this to other lawyers. And then when I was teaching lawyers about funnels, I realized, wait a minute, there's a much bigger picture than just funnels. And I realized, wait, there's also automations, then there's building out your team with virtual assistants, then there's the math behind everything. Then now there's AI stuff, there's more automation stuff, there's Zapier stuff, there's other stuff. So over time, the program becomes a lot more uh, over-encompassing. So I just the program to be about law firm mastery, which encompasses five parts. I'm quickly just going go to gonna go through them. One is traffic. Traffic in the form of SEO or Google ads or Facebook ads and YouTube ads and YouTube channel and email list, essentially the top sources of getting clients, of which I'm sure Stasha you helped lawyers with. Which, by the way, if you guys have been listening to Sasha for a while, you guys should definitely go talk to him. At least, very least, speak. A lot of people like are scared to talk to people. Like, At, at worst, you're going to get information that you didn't have before, and you use that information for your own good, or you sit with it, and you park it, and maybe and you'll come back. So at the very least, call to action. And even though Sasha's not going to say it, I'm going to say it for you, Sasha. Go book a call to speak to Sasha. Go, to the- <laughs> go book a call. Anyways, the second part is, Funnels, which is just the shortest ways to explain a funnel, is just a way to capture your contact or lead information up front and then nurture them. It's essentially, all a funnel is. Third part is automation: automated texts and emails that you send to your leads as soon as you get them. They need to, you need to get in contact with them right away. How do you do that with automated texts and emails? Well, that's something that we, that we share in our program. Fourth is building your team with, as it was explained, of a you know in-house people but also your virtual day-to-day operators and the last part is your math the numbers behind everything you need to get crystal clear on all your revenue sources on your business expenses know what's going on know what's proper margins do you can do you have more money to spend to put into marketing uh once you get clear on those you know you know essentially business becomes much easier once you know what to spend money on it's like uh, i'm actually doing a training about it this week called the easiest way to scale is to, is to spend more. And not many people do it. And not many people do it. So that's the program as it is now. But just in the last couple of months, we actually did a rebranding to My Legal Academy, which is even more encompassing than this. So this is great. This is, I call this like business development. But what if we also start teaching lawyers about health, fitness, taxes, mental health, anything you could possibly imagine to become a better lawyer? And that's the vision that we've literally been implementing. We just recently brought on the instructors. We're also inviting other instructors in every field that you could possibly imagine, bring everybody along. And then every day, can you imagine like, having virtual classes and resources and things that you can join at any day of the week? One for health, one for this, one for that. And also the other cool aspect of this My Legal Academy is we're also going to have resources and courses for your team members. For example, you have your intakers or your document collectors. You can invite them to our platform. You could train them on the best way to collect documents and, and you know and, and get those things collected. So that's basically what the, the community is. So if you're interested, just go to My Legal Academy. Again, you have nothing to lose. So at least book a call, get some information from us. If not, just follow me on YouTube and just follow the journey.
0: 100%. Look, let me do a little disclosure or disclaimer, rather. And that is results may vary, but I watched quite a few testimonials, like what is, what does a median client look like when they come to you in terms of revenue? I know that there is no such thing as a median, but if you were to like, just wrap your mind, like most of my clients look like this when they arrive and then they look like that a year later. Sure.
1: So it definitely helps if you already have that you're making over hundred K. So I think we're actually going to make that adjustment. It is not.
0: Let's interrupt, but 100K is gross revenue per month, per year, per minute?
1: Per year, at the very minimum, 100K revenue minimum, in order for you to even qualify to basically apply for the program. And the reason is there's a different mindset to get you to 100K, but where we want to be is we want to help the people that already have that mindset, that are comfortable with growth, that can afford to grow, that will want to grow to want to take it to the next level the kind of like the quickest not the quickest the most most popular result that we get is with uh, within a year we see a double growth that's what it seems like it takes it's not a couple of weeks and it's not a couple of months it usually takes about a year 12 months what we expect for you to at least double fully fully doable as long as you attend our calls and are engaged in our program you pretty much have a pretty high chance to be able to you know, at least double within a year
0: what what's a median revenue like when they just start with you, if you know?
1: I would yeah, just around hundred k or so, and then but we get you know we have a range of different lawyers. There we have lawyers also do multi million dollars a year who come and still get something from the program. It only takes one breakthrough, one thing that they implement that makes up money for the program. Let alone you know uh, things that you learn on top to go to kind of keep the profit and. And the more that we do this, obviously the value of our program goes up, you know, all the resources for our team members and all that stuff. So over time, you know, the value is there and it it compounds on top. And what's cool about it is it's uh, it's a a win-win-win kind of mentality inside. Everybody is kind of open with sharing the same way that I'm kind of, I open up It kind of opens people to share their stuff. And it just creates this cool little positive environment of, you know, nothing like, I'm saving this for me no let me share this This has worked for me so let me share this if you want to be share yourself and I kind of see I want the world to be like that I don't want people to feel like you know because I share something or give away something you know it takes it away from me no the world there's God created the world in a plentiful way that there's plenty of money out there there's plenty of clients and I want people to tap into that power also
0: amen to that so just let, let me quantify this a little further If my memory serves me right, a typical growth rate for a law firm as any other professional service organization is about 4.3% except for 2021 when there was a typical growth of something like 14.7%. But I think 2023, you're going to see this going back to the normal 4.3%, not adjusted for inflation. That means that's built into inflation. If you think of a typical year when inflation rate is like 2.53%, You were like barely keeping your head above water, like 1% growth after adjustment for inflation. And let's not worry about government statistics for 2021 and 2022, 2022 rather, that inflation was not 9%. Like if you go to grocery store, it was not 9%. It's
1: been 15%. People that know it, they know it's at least been 15% for the last couple of years.
0: So, So doubling from anything to anything, is a huge, especially if you are somewhat sizable. Like going from five hundred thousand dollars to one million dollars in revenue is a huge jump. And I want to emphasize on one word that Sam said, and it's just so ridiculously important. It's that com that's two words. The compound effect. The compound effect, like, like you think well, about ah, I'm gonna go from hundred thousand to two hundred thousand. Like my lifestyle is not gonna change very much. You're right if you think about 12 months. You're wrong if you think about 120 months. Like in 120 months, it will make a world of difference. You will probably not double forever. It's really hard to achieve, and your systems are probably going to somewhat break in the process. But if you can get from 100,000 to 200,000, from 200,000 to 400,000, from 400,000 to 800,000, trust you me, your life is going to be different. And at some point, through learning the systems that Sam is teaching, you're probably going to step away from doing so many cases and start focusing on being the CEO of your law firm, which in the longer term is a hell of a lot more rewarding. And they talk to so many lawyers and many of them, like, simply can find, like, he would been a lawyer. I'd rather, like, be the CEO of my law firm because I know this person and that person who I went to law school with. And they're just so much happier because they're managing. They're spending, like, 20% doing cases. And the other eighty percent, they're managing and enjoying their life. So, like developing that business acumen for teachings of people like Sam is essential to your better lifestyle.
1: And it stays with you for life. A lot of people think like you only get the value when you're taking the course or the program. Then no, you have that now. You for the rest of your life, you know, implement these things, things that you learn now. You know, could play out, uh, plan out, you know, pan out. In six years so yeah totally Uh, sasha what's what is your vision with your uh, how you help lawyers and then what if you had to if somebody was been listening to you for at least like eight months now and they haven't taken action with you yet what would you tell them
0: so as i mentioned i talk with a lot of lawyers every year every week i meet with at least four or five attorneys here are the trouble spots as i see them number one Either complete or partial lack of business acumen. Second one is lack of predictable marketing and sales engine. Like my vision Mm -hmm. is to help our clients, our prospects, or just people who follow us, develop the business acumen so that they would have the nuts and bolts that they need to hire the right people to help them develop the marketing and sales engine. If you can get that part, your life, your business is going to be better off for it. If you can figure out the people component so that you have the right people in the right places doing the right things at the right times without you telling them what to do and when to do it and how to do it, your life is going to be transformed. So whether you become our clients or become Sam's clients or just become somebody's clients, just exactly what you said. I don't think anybody's going to commit to doing what you do, like learning four or five hours a day, that's, that's a seriously dedicated student. Most people would say, I don't have time for that. Truly, they do. I interviewed Joshua Lang, who is one of the executives at Clio. And he was like, we have 30,000 customers. We know that a typical lawyer, when they come to us, they bill for 1.7 hours per day. I'm like, what do they do with the rest of the time? He's like, admin worked. This not not much of valuable stuff. He's like, once they really optimize Clio in their business, they'll go from 1.7 to 2.3. It's a, such a huge improvement. I'm like, holy shit, you're spending most of your days not making money. And I'm like, just learn. Just learn. There's so much value in study. By the way, studying Gimora, we're of the same persuasion. That's hard, man. <laughs> That's hard. Yeah,
1: especially uh, me, especially at the, from 6 in the morning to 6.45. Everything else becomes easier after that. <laughs> yeah. Like so we well. actually doing uh, t- uh, actually today we're celebrating a Sium, which means we finished. It's my first time finishing basically the whole
0: book of it. Uh, so, also, thank you. That's, 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 <laughs> I haven't yet. I go to my partial readings and mine are a lot easier. If they're from like nine or eight AM until nine thirty. Nice. That's pretty yeah. good.
1: So pretty impressive.
0: I just started a little over a year ago. I was not brought up religious. I, I was born and raised in Soviet Union. I've been in this country for almost 30 years now. A little bit older than you are. So I've been like gradually moving at that, that.
1: That's amazing. It's about your progress and where you're heading and not the level we're at. Just like in life, you know. And a lot of people like, also let me address this. A lot of people compare each other to each other and with where we are, either financially or different stages of our life. It was, uh, last week was our baby's birthday. Oh, congratulations. And, <laughs> Thank birthday. you. <laughs> uh, two years old.
0: Two years. Yeah,
1: and we we're also announcing, we we're announcing our second one at the party Ooh. too. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but at the same time, like both me and my wife, we felt a little guilty sharing the news because we, you know, uh, sometimes we're friends with people that are either not married or the ones that are married, want kids and things like that. And we don't want to obviously put any kind of, comparison or anything like that so after announced it you know kind of you know kind of kind of somewhat quietly we also said you know it's important to know that you know everybody's at a different levels uh, of our life we shouldn't compare each other and we're all here for a different mission and a different purpose and it's just very important to be cognizant of that and not compare yourselves to anybody and whatever level we're at as long as we're heading in the right direction and we're the, and, and that we're always growing no matter the amount, just as long as you're growing in the right direction, that's all that matters, which is what, exactly what you're doing. And that's amazing. Props, uh, Sasha. I hope you continue at it and telling you it's life-changing to be able to stay committed to 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 that and, you know, to just self-development.
0: Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> Beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah, and- yeah, let's <laughs> end it with that. Awesome. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the, the the I think the quickest way to misery is to compare yourself to the others. There's always, I think, my my late dad taught me. He's like, there's always someone who is going to be faster, stronger, wealthier, taller, and all those things. He's like, you just just don't like like just focus on yourself. Make sure, and this is what I teach my kids. Like every day, you should be a little bit smarter, a little bit stronger, I have two boys, and a little bit kinder. So you study and you exercise, and you read something for your soul. Not just play video games six hours a day. (laughs) 12 and 15 year old can be hard. So there's that. Sam, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Um,
1: you Yeah, just go Google or YouTube, mylegalacademy.com. Book a call to speak to us. Again, you have nothing to lose by just booking a call, so just book a call, and then just follow the journey on YouTube.
0: Awesome. You know, I'm going to ask you one more question. If you don't mind sharing sure. please, like, what is a year one investment into, like working with your team on, and I love the name of it, my law well, my law firm mastery. Um, the
1: program is called my legal academy. The committee is called my legal academy. And then inside of that we have different programs. Yeah,
0: um, I love the name, like the law firm mastery or whatever mastery it was. I was like, it just makes so much sense. Yeah. Especially the fact that the lawyers, when they graduate, they're specialists at law but but the success of a lawyer for most lawyers is measured in financial rewards and most it doesn't lawyers, have to be, it doesn't have to be
1: Some people so, it's like free of more time and you know other things.
0: Well so what what's a typical investment that' they're like having like with you I
1: don't partner? I don't put it out there because I don't want to disqualify people based on that. It's done on an application kind of basis and also honestly I'm not twi- I'm not involved with the sales at all zero so my focus i built a whole organization over 25 people in our company we have a coo and sales manager and success manager and all that stuff my focus is on the success side of things just provide as much value for our members focusing on that my energy just scores towards that and then let the sales manager and the sales people do deal with that and let the marketing manager and marketing people deal with that so you know we all have our roles and we kind of stick to it
0: let me make an an assumptive statement this is something that I learned from my mentor many years ago. Darren Hardy told me that hiring mediocre or less than mediocre people will cost you five to six times of what you're paying them. Hiring good people, and that includes external advisors, vendors, etc., is always free. Not knowing what it is that it costs to like that investment into having like work with your team, I assume that the ROI is in some multiples and then there is the compound effect that kicks in oh yeah if you ever like think about like should i should not it's gonna cost me money i don't make enough money just remember that that investment will forever be free it will forever pay dividends so i really like this what you said that you're like your person of action you don't just sit there in conference and take notes you actually create like action items this is like, like if you're watching this and you've been thinking about hiring Sam or any other advisor who's very proficient at this, and Sam is, he's a lawyer by training, he's been doing this, actually, like he's been in the weeds and beyond. I've been in the like, weeds. I've, I've, I've,
1: yeah. I've done the filings, I've done the sales, I've done the operations, I've done everything when it comes to it. And it helps a lot. Uh, that's also the differentiary factor between us and a couple of other programs is it's actionable things based on actual things that we're doing implementing for our law firms right now. So totally. Thank you so much, Sasha. Appreciate it.
0: Such a pleasure. Awesome to have had you here. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the grow law firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, GrowLawFirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint